Welcome to the 29th episode of Total Pop Mode, your weekly gaming podcast. My name is Will, and I also go by Hoodafunk, and I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow gaming enthusiast, James, aka Mr. Bames. What is going on, you modestly medieval mollusks? Going for an aquatic theme there, James, I like it. Yeah, aquatic, a little bit old school, literally medieval. Yeah, I mean, medieval is kind of about as old school as it gets. Yeah, exactly. But they're modest, so, you know, they're not going to brag about it. Random other sea life fact, did you know that lobsters and woodlice are in the same family? I did not know that. There you go. That is very interesting. How are you this week, man? All good? Looking forward to talking about some things this week, because something I'm very excited about that uh, is released today at the time of recording that we're going to get into a bit later. How about you, man? Well, this week, uh, I've actually been slowly driven insane by the fact that my doorbell keeps on ringing. Oh. So at first I thought this was just sort of neighbourhood kids knocking on the door and running away sort of thing, you know, pretty classic hijinks for that sort of age but uh unless uh that kid is able to goddamn teleport away it can't be them and then over time throughout the week i started to notice that whenever i did open my front door there was also someone standing outside of my neighbor's door across the street now uh, these people going, have recently started to move in yeah. And they have bought a doorbell that is the exact same goddamn wireless doorbell as mine. And it has been driving me mad because I am constantly going to answer my door. So now I'm in a bit of a deadlock situation. I have decided to go to war, James. So now I sit there with my own doorbell oh, and just can just sit there just ring it just aggressively ringing my doorbell i even go outside sometimes and then i open my front door and i just start hammering my own doorbell just to kind of try and lure them out and then i quickly close the door sort of thing because i feel like this is kind of a game of it's the first one chicken out now i don't know whether they understand that the reverse is happening now that i'm actually activating their doorbell well i have two questions for you off the bat Firstly, do you know for a fact that it works for their doorbell when you do it? Or are you just sitting yeah, there absolutely. pressing your own doorbell for no f***ing reason? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm able to actually look out of my window. And when I can, when I press it, I can see them answering their oh, okay. doorbell. I lean out my front door, press the doorbell, and then quickly close the door and then run into my living room and, and check to make sure. Fair so, But this is the thing is, by this tactic, I feel like they're never going to understand that it's activating my doorbell. I think best case scenario, they just think they have a faulty doorbell. Either that or they come to the same conclusion that I did at first was that we had teleporting neighborhood prankster kids. Yeah, you can't rule it out. It's still an option. Well, my second question is, do they know you and do they know that you do a podcast that you've just admitted this on? Uh, Probably <laughs> no to both of those. Hopefully no to both of those. All right, well, shout out to Will's potential neighbors. <laughs> And if you are listening, just know that this is a war, okay? And you will change your doorbell. I'll sit there, I'll ring that thing all f***ing day if I need to. I mean, fair play. Do you know what I'd do if I was you? I'd just ditch my doorbell. Who needs a doorbell? In these frugal times, James, in these times of increased costs sort of, and you can't just be willy-nilly throwing away your doorbell. And anyway, just I've, I've become attached to battery. it. Just unplug the battery, mate. You don't need to throw it away. But, I, you know, I, I do want a functioning doorbell as well. Why? What good is, you know, what good is I, it? I have guests and visitors. Yeah, they can knock. So, uh, yeah, at this stage, like I said, it, it's pretty much a stalemate. I'm really not sure what to do about this other than to just keep on occasionally ringing my own doorbell bell and, and watching as they come well it's nice that you're not being really passive aggressive about it that's at least one thing yeah i mean i didn't want to do anything petty i figured no, this no. was the best course of action oh no this is perfectly reasonable what you're doing right now absolutely yeah. uh but yeah no other than that man all is well yeah. uh, other, other know, than declaring a to... war all is well yeah <laughs> Looking forward to cracking on another episode. This week we've got some exciting news lined up. We'll be talking about the new Elden Ring DLC. Moving on to a change of the Square Enix president. Before swiftly moving on to a little bit of Wolong the Fallen Dynasty discussion, which released today on the 3rd of March. And then we'll round off another episode with another part to Completionist's Corner. This week we're continuing our journey through Death Stranding. Hells to the year. Okay, James, before we crack on with the catch-up, Let's lay out the socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pop Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pop Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM. Okay, man, let's talk about some games that we've played this week. 
Okay, James, as is tradition, I'm going to pass this one on to you. What have you been up to this week? Uh, I have only played one game this week, Will. Death Stranding oh, right, side, okay. of course, because yes. completion is cool. Yeah. Of course, of um, course. I cracked on with Neo, and ah, I've been having an okay. absolute blast with it. How many hours, roughly, are you into this now? I think my total Steam play is like... 34 hours or something like that but 10 hours or 11 hours of that is files that i've since deleted and started again right of course because i'm me and i do that so i think i mentioned last week that i was going slightly different i went for a heavily armored sort of heavy weapon user sacked that off couldn't deal with the stamina draining um late game that's probably the strat because you get more poise and things like that but sacked that off straight away started again i've gone back to the lightest armor possible so i can get that full stamina usage and i'm using um a spear and the sort of traditional sword as my two weapons and um, the spear is just so fun so fun i can't recommend it enough but i was enjoying my file on that and then i had to start again on that because i was pumping points into the stat called stamina right now what would you say that that stat relates to just if i say to you the stamina stat what do you think that is probably the stamina bar that was what i thought as well yeah that's what i thought too right of course it's f***ing not though is it it's weight it capacity do? it's weight capacity oh so it just affects your incumbent like yeah. uh, ratio basically it's the equipment percentage if you think dark souls and you've got the tiers of equipment percentage that relate to how your quickly your role is yeah yeah. It's that. It's that stat. I think I can't remember what it's called in Dark Souls. Is it endurance in Dark Souls One? It's that. It's that one. The stamina stat is not the stat called stamina. It's the one called heart, which you'd think would be hit points, wouldn't you? Heart. Yeah, I guess vitality. Yeah, yeah but or that's maybe body. like. So, right. Know. Okay. Okay. How many stats overall do you actually upgrade throughout this then? Because I think in Elden Ring it's hanging around like what is it eight, seven, I think or eight? It's, or something I think like it's that? about the same. Yeah. So we've got. I probably won't use the proper names of them because I'll butcher them all. But it's um, body, heart, stamina, strength, skill, ninjutsu, magic, and spirit. I think. Right. So okay. that's, I, th- okay. I think that was eight. And that's, and you know, typical sort of Souls-like build, you're really focusing on three, maybe four of the stats that you use. That's right, um, yeah. But the way it works is that each stat obviously does what it is meant to do um, in terms of like health, stamina, blah, blah, blah. But they also affect different weapon scalings. So weapons don't just scale with the strength and skill stats. They also have other stats that sort of govern them and works out quite nicely. The spear is governed by the stat for health. Oh, okay. So when, okay. So when you're pumping your health to 20 at the start as any in my opinion any souls player should do you always want your vitality and your stamina to go up first it was actually strengthening my spear stat as well so my damage was going up as my health was going up just made it a bit nicer of a transition into the main bulk of the game um it works slightly differently to dark souls bloodborne elden ring and all that good stuff in that it's not one single open world that you sort of go around and metroidvania slightly it's actually a level based system and this is why when we tried to do multiplayer it didn't work i think at least one of the players needs to have completed the level that's correct so in theory if i were to pick this up you could go back and help me through this and we could have a good time on it the only thing that would stop that and i don't know if this is a thing so i haven't looked into it would be the thing that is in dark souls whereby you have to be within a certain level threshold of the player you're joining i don't and i don't know if that's a thing in neo but in theory yes i could hmm Okay. Yeah, yeah. Something worth yeah. looking into. It is. Um, despite that, it's still been a blast because I would prefer an open world, I think. But the level system works really well. No hub world as such. You get an, a map overview and you can sort of click into your shop, your shrine and all that good stuff. But yeah, really enjoying it. The pacing's quite good. It's challenging. Is the control scheme similar to Dark Souls or is it now face buttons instead of triggers and bumpers? Well, yes. It's the simple answer. It's like Code Vein, but I don't know if you've played Code Vein yet. So. Uh, not yet. So lighter. Yeah attack heavy attack yeah jump exactly that no jump no jump Okay, dodge. And is there two different kinds of dodge? Is there a yeah, quick, quick step and roll? Yeah. Right, okay. Single tap for quick step, double tap for roll. So I think it works literally the same way as Code Vein. So what's the fourth button then? Magic? Action button. Action, right, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So like pick things up, open doors, blah blah blah. Sure thing. And um I've now start I've now stopped uh, using that button to dodge, which is nice. because uh, <laughs> your dark souls. Oh of course, yeah. I remember in, you. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the amount of times I was using R R one and L two and all for everything. It's like no parry's not that bad, no attack's not that bad. You get used to it though. And yeah, I I think I looked on um how long to beat. I think if I do main quests, side quests and pretty much everything, I'm looking at about sixty five hours. Okay, so it's a pretty long game then sort of thing yeah. for a completionist yeah yeah much longer than, um, I think considering it's, it's level based as well you know that typically is a bit of a marker as a shorter game in my previous experience it is but i think you also have to factor in you also probably get a few more loading screens you get mm, fair uh, enough. things like that um, and 
also I'm spending a lot of time in each level where the, there's these things you can collect called um, Kadamas and they're basically like spirits that if you collect a certain amount of them per region you're in you get bonuses to either the amount of souls you collect it's called Amrita but for ease of reference we'll call it souls you get higher gold percentage you get more likely to get weapon drops etc etc so i've been trying to find all of those on every level where they have them which is obviously meaning i'm combing the levels a bit sort of slower than i would do if i was just rushing through it yeah yeah so i so i could probably be a lot further than i am but man i've got to say i'm really enjoying it i'm i'm liking combing all the levels it's got a good level of challenge as i say i don't know if i think the bosses i've faced so far are harder than souls bosses but there's definitely a good challenge to them there's one that i've just recently fought that i died to quite a bit not so much because they were hard but more because if you get hit it's just brutal it's kind of like elden ring in that regard right you you know when the boss when you get to the late game bosses especially if they get one of their combos off on you you're basically dead just chain combos yeah similar to that but as is always the case with these games once you learn the patterns and that it's not too bad so yeah really good fun having a great time with it the one thing i will say is i think that i'm going to Elden Ring this in the sense of I don't think I'm going to start Woe Long until I finish Neo. That's how much I'm enjoying Neo. It will be a really nice introduction into the way that Woe Long works. Uh, at risk of getting ahead of ourselves, I think that they're meant to be quite similar in that regard. So Yeah. And a lot of things I've read, there's a lot it sounds like there's a lot of similar mechanics. So great, because Neo's awesome honestly um i'm i will preface the statement i've just made there though by saying that is as of today as of the time of recording there is absolutely no guarantee that i won't change my mind over the weekend and start playing (laughs) there's absolutely no guarantee about that but Uh, uh, i'm going to try my best but yeah that's uh really all i've got to say on neo man i'm looking forward to carrying it on and uh, talking about it more in the weeks to come probably but uh how about you what have you been up to apart from a bit of death stranding so this week i delve back into the world of call of duty modern warfare 2 Bravo 6, going dark. Oh, so not only are you starting wars on your neighbours, you're also simulating wars on the PC. Love I think it. that's what it is. It's, it's the stress <laughs> of the constant doorbell ringing. It just makes me yeah. want to go online and shoot people. Have you turned your office into a war room as well? I've got sandbags by the door and things like Hell that, but yeah. it doesn't help with the bell. I just, it just kind of adds adds for effect. Do you have one of them big tables where you push like your figures along with a stick? Like, and if we move our troops into this region, and you're like, now if I ring the doorbell at 2am... <laughs> Anyway, before we go down that rabbit hole... So, the allure of Season 2 really brought me back into it, uh, honestly. They've added quite a bit of new content, as well as a new season pass. Uh, and after actually fully completing the last one, I was actually quite looking forward to getting into this one. Nice. Did you have to buy it, or did you have enough points saved up that you could sort of get it for free? Yeah, I actually had enough points saved up so I could get it oh, for free, yeah. which was That's a like real, real nice feeling as well when you just feel like you kind of get it for free. But anyway, so uh, I've been playing my way through the battle pass. I've been unlocking a few weapons. I unlocked a gun called the ISO Hemlock, which is kind of like an assault rifle style gun. It's, it's pretty good. Nice. Along with the usual slew of a few new weapons and new skins, uh, I've also played one of the new multiplayer maps, which it looks like you're in a sort of a fancy large stone art museum. It's really cool. There's a lot of nice little details in there when you run through lobbies. You can hear the sort of automated tannoys speaking, and it does a good job of actually kind of placing you in the map with a lot of attention to detail. Nice. Also, part of the battle pass, I've now unlocked my dual kadaches, which, for those who don't know, are sort of like short katanas. So I get to run around with double short katanas now, slicing and dicing people up. I see. When you say kadachi to me, I think a Toby kadachi. I don't think there's much crossover between the Call of Duty and Monster Hunter World audience. Yeah, well, there f***ing should be. Get me a bow gun in Call of Duty any day. Speaking of bow guns, there is actually an event challenge this week where if you complete, I think it's six challenges that involve sort of killing other players in various ways, you then unlock the early access to the bow gun or the crossbow. Oh, uh, nice. is, uh, you know, a tool that a lot of people will remember from the other games. Seems a little bit slow to sort of release this now after so many months, but I think that this is just kind of the way that we'll see things happening with the Call of Duty games. There's not all that many new ideas floating around, so you'll just be expected to be drip-fed the same but updated content each each new iteration of the game. Do we still know if it's a one-shot kill and basically completely silent? Is that still...? Yep, that's that's definitely the case, yeah. Yeah, cool. Of course, yeah, it's unusable if it's not a one-hit. It takes like a million years to reload. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. the uh, that's the downside. No news on the projectile knife though. 
which I'm no. still waiting for. That one got introduced back in Black Ops, but it's kind of made a return every so often. Fingers crossed. Well, assuming that was that something you'd use? Yeah, absolutely. Or is it more I just, of a gimmick. I used to run around quite a bit with uh, those sorts of weapons, mostly projectile knives, using the uh, sort of the one that can actually shoot out, like the secret agent knife, as well as a yeah. throwing knife as well as uh, usually a riot shield or something like that, and just do really dirty plays. Uh, so also a new addition as part of Season 2 is Ashika Island, which is a sort of a, a sort of a, a smaller war zone area. It's a new map that places you on a Japanese island with a whole new host of different enemies to fight. Along with that content, they're actually making the DMZ missions a lot more interesting by actually making it so that you will need to travel to one map to collect an item and then extract, come out, pull into another game, travel to the other location with that item and drop it off in a dead drop on the second map. So you're actually taking items out of one map, joining a new session and dropping it off in another map entirely, okay. which is making some of the DMZ missions seem much more in-depth and actually leading you to really cool places. So I was doing this one with uh, my mate Jem. Shouts to Jem earlier this week. We actually had to take a secret package to a dead drop that was located kind of underground in a sort of a large waterway sewer. And in order to get into there, you needed to find a hidden entrance and then fight your way past two juggernauts and an absolute plethora of just sort of heavily armoured troops. It was really hard and we had to play it extremely tight lots of communication going on um it was very difficult definitely not the sort of typical call of duty run and gun shooter experience we were having to communicate a lot and uh, work our way through but we were successful and we had an absolute blast as a result you know i think that those kind of things that you really have to work for uh, especially when you're playing with other people it's really satisfying to finally get that fatty dub oh yeah i hear you man that's that reminds me a lot of when we play the division on hard yeah exactly yeah like, it's kind of similar to kind of stuff you have to be on point i'd really like to actually sit down and play some more zone with you at some point it's a shame that you uh uninstalled it but uh get that, that back installed man it's it's honestly worth your time well that's uh, the one in one out policy is currently working in my favor because uh uninstalled hogwarts legacy 75 gig installed wo long 45 gig so i'm 30 i'm 30 oh, okay, gig you're 30. So, <laughs> okay that's pretty so good going another game like that if i uh once i finish neo that's another 70 odd gigs i'll uninstall that and then then i can reinstall warzone nice you'll get there one day man but honestly when you do I think you'll enjoy yourself and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised to sort of see how things have moved on since the original Warzone. Other than Call of Duty, I really haven't spent much time playing anything else this week. It's been pretty all-consuming. So with that said, I think it's time we went on to the current gaming news. So coming in with some big news right off the bat this week, new Elden Ring DLC formally announced via Twitter post. Whoop whoop! So the tweet from FromSoft explains that the DLC is currently in development and will be titled Shadow of the Erd Tree and will take place somewhere in the lands between, which is, uh, for those who don't know, the, the setting of, of the entire Elden Ring franchise so far. We also get a picture of the giant Erd Tree appearing to be corrupted or burnt and leaking golden sap or light. Is it definitely uh, the Erd Tree? That's the question. Well, this is, yeah, absolutely. It looks like the Earth Tree to me, but then there are a few theories that we'll get into shortly. Uh, in the foreground of the picture that was released alongside the tweet, you can also see a blonde child riding what appears to be Torrent, which is the beast that you can ride in the game. You can also see some ghostly pale figures walking amongst what looks like wheat fields. So there's a lot of speculation over what all this could mean, who is the child, uh, which is the setting, as James mentioned earlier, is that the Earth Tree? I'm hearing suggestions that this could be two trees. Is this the Halig tree merging with the Erd tree? I don't know about merging, but that's my theory, because I think the kid is Mikola. Okay, yeah, I'm hearing that some people are saying that uh, it's Mikola's dream of the Halig tree wrapping around the Erd tree and creating a new age of abundance in an alternate lands between sort of thing. So this could be a dream, and this has been quite heavily speculated all along that this DLC could take place with inside a dream of someone's within the game. So is that the theory that you're leaning towards at the moment? Not quite, but that sort of thing. Uh, my theory is it's going to be similar to the Dark Souls 1 DLC in that it's going to be in the past rather than in some someone's dream it's going to be a different time and that's why because the only time you see Mikola in the well I say see Mikola the only time you really sort of see where Mikola's meant to be is you see his arm poking out of an egg in the Moog fight I hope I'm right with this I believe that the law is that Mikola has been cursed to look like a child all his life he can't grow up like not in like a Peter Pan way but kind of in a Peter Pan way <laughs> okay and uh I think that this DLC is going to be something like telling his story or um, 
or walking his path or there's going to be some sort of um, story told around Mikola I would imagine and there's again pure speculation on my part I'm thinking the final boss of the DLC will either be Mikola himself some sort of spirit that embodies what Mikola wants to be or it might even be uh, Marika the Queen uh, who's referenced quite a lot in Elden Ring so speaking of Marika though uh, I think that there's another theory going around that the child could actually be Marika all the way back in the past heading to the Erdtree after being summoned shortly after it begins to get corrupted by the Golden Order. So this theory is actually in fact that the sap leaking from the tree has actually been cast down by the Golden Order and is corrupting the Erdtree and this was again similar to your sort of theory about some time travelling thing that they would go well back into the past. I think that that's probably seen as the lesser likely of the theories. I think that the one that you're onto with Mikella sounds more plausible and uh, people are sort of leaning more towards it being Mikella. But I think that you know it's still worth mentioning that that is a theory out there that we'll actually perhaps go back in time and learn about the origins of the Golden Order, might even get to see a little bit of insights into the War of the Giants that's briefly mentioned. And we get some rehashing of some old bosses in their previous form, hopefully. Like, I'd love to fight Radan before he went, or whatever he became. That would be really cool, yeah. Like, a, yeah, fighting like a normal Radan, not like a giant Goliath. Yeah, or maybe fighting Radagon, like, when he's actually alive. Like, yeah, that'd be, that'd yeah, be quite a neat fight. Yeah um there's there's all sorts they could do with the law that already exists and also that you know they could write some new shit that wasn't in the original game some really cool like you know Blythe might make some sort of an appearance depending on how far back it is like it, it there's a lot of cool things they could do with it so I'm, I'm naturally very excited about this particularly because FromSoft DLC is always great I'm yet to play a bad one so yeah I'm, I'm here for this I'm totally here for this yeah we're just waiting for it to be released now and uh, given the fact that it's still uh mentioned as currently in development I think we might be waiting a little while for this onwards but this is definitely something to look forward to whenever we do hear some more news and I'm looking yeah. forward to uh, picking this up hopefully at a future date. Moving on to our next article of the episode, Square Enix president Yusuke Matsuda is stepping down. So the Square Enix president is preparing to step down from his position at the Japanese gaming giant Square Enix. The news of this management change came out shortly after Matsuda penned his second NFT-focused New Year letter in a row, which was something that didn't sit well with many fans. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I think that typically NFTs are on a grander scale being sort of rejected from video games and also associated with scams there's quite a few sort of low effort video games that are promising people are able to make money provided they invest in this nft thing and it's even you know promoted by a lot of uh, big name youtubers and yeah. uh, you know or, or one time or another it was at least and uh, you know as a result of that a lot of people have lost money on these sorts of schemes but yeah this does not surprise me at all though, i've got to say i think because uh, as you say it's the second time he's done this first time didn't go down well yeah i don't think this is the sole reason however for uh, him stepping down in a newly published investor brief dated the 3rd of March, Square Enix revealed that Matsuda intends to step down from his leadership role come summer 2023. You know, if you read between the lines there, it sounds like he was walked out back and shot. Uh, yeah. The plan for him is to be replaced by Takashi Kiryu, one of the company's current directors. The Tokyo-based company attributed this impending managerial change to a general need for reshaping its leadership and the ever-changing business environment. Which is code for he f***ed up, we fired him. Alle allegedly, allegedly, I'll cover myself. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the bigger picture here, uh, the move might have been at least partially prompted by the fact that Square Enix's 2022 financials revealed declining sales across the board. While the transition has yet to be scheduled, Square Enix's main shareholder meeting historically takes place in late June, and I think that's sort of when everything will be confirmed then the other thing that's interesting about this is that um final fantasy 16 isn't massively far away either so they probably want to have someone new in charge for that release to have like that sort of be this is my opening it's a strong start and you can blame everything that happened before on the other guy exactly on to our third and final article of the day wolong the fallen dynasty released today on the 3rd of march 2023 even when i first saw the sort of trailers and things months and months and months ago whenever it was i thought wow this game looks f***ing awesome so up my street you know it's i was set in china and it's to do you know martial arts game but there's demons involved there's all sorts of craziness it's souls like and yeah and it's made by uh, team ninja and koei tecmo games who obviously made the neo series which I'm currently enjoying massively. So I, I'm very, very hyped for this. Very, very hyped indeed. 
So much so that I've already f***ing bought it. <laughs> it's currently sat in your game library just waiting for you to finish Nia. Well, I think you're right to be looking forward to this game, man. Uh, a lot of the current reviewers of the game, early reviews coming in, are praising the combat, character creation even. Which yes, is which I didn't know was a thing. I was absolutely right with you there. I thought that you were absolutely just playing yeah. a character in the game and that was it. You were going to be a protagonist. And I was cool with that. But the fact that you are silent protagonist and you can create your own character, male, female, whatever you want, there's some cool looking tattoos as well in the screenshots I've seen. Oh, man, good times. We've also heard good things about the boss fights as well as the storyline as well of the game. Honestly, this game seems to be getting praise from all round. Unless you look at the Steam library yeah. page where it's actually currently sat on mostly negative reviews. Uh, yeah. A lot of that seems to be due to uh, issues with the porting of the game to PC. You know, as is typical with this things, I think that on a release day, there are some slightly patchy frame rates here and there. Uh, yeah. Certainly nothing to be... Uh, concerned about in terms of more recent releases that have come to PC like Dead Space and Callisto Protocol. However, I think that, you know, people are complaining about certain frame rate dips on pretty strong current hardware. The one I've seen the most weirdly is that people are having issues with mouse and keyboard. That's actually where most of the negative yeah. reviews are coming from is that people are just complaining about the control scheme on a mouse and keyboard sort of thing. So interested to see for myself what that's actually about. Uh, you know, yeah. I'd almost be tempted to just give it a go just to see how bad it is. And I think this is obviously a valid complaint. Just seems uh, a bit shame and a bit unfair uh, for the game to be reflected as mostly negative reviews at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on, on the Steam platform uh, purely because of the fact that the control scheme on keyboard. That doesn't seem representative of the actual reviews of the game that I've seen so far. No, me neither. And that's why I always take Steam reviews with a pinch of salt, unfortunately. I think that, as you say, it's a valid criticism, if you like. It, it should work for people that don't want to use a controller. I, I don't get it personally. I think these games are much better on a controller, but that's my opinion. It's not the law. But I would have thought and I don't know because I haven't turned it on or anything, but I would have thought you could rebind your keys, right? I mean, you have to be able to. I, I, I yeah. think that's what I mean. It must go deeper than that. It must be that the controls are somehow flawed to a degree yeah. that, you know, rebinding doesn't help. Yeah, and that, without knowing more about it, I can't really comment, I don't think. Exactly. And I don't think it'd be fair for me to comment. Yeah. Um, but all I will say on that is that it hasn't affected how much I'm looking forward to this man. I think it's... No, not at all. Not at all. Awesome. When I checked the reviews last night, I frankly, I couldn't believe when I saw that it was gone mostly negative. And then yeah. after reading the reviews, I was kind of reassured that I was still going to enjoy this when I pick yeah. it up. Oh, yeah. The, to, to be honest, the week I've had playing Neo, like, I knew I was going to buy it. I have no doubt that this is going to be excellent. I have a lot of faith in Team Ninja now, which is, you know, very, very um, recency biased of me, but I'm here for it. But one thing, another thing that's interesting about this as well that you've written here, um, morale system. Yeah, so the morale system in the game, it functions in the fact that at your base level, you start every level with zero morale. Right. And as you attack enemies, they will have their own individual morale ratings. And by attacking them, you will gain levels of morale, okay. uh, which will dictate how much of a hard time you have. And also enemies that start in your area with high levels of morale will be harder to defeat. But this sounds okay. like it's kind of more area based or level based, uh, similar to, you know, Neo's level based design. So that you might encounter enemies in that level that are much better coming back to and fighting a little bit later on rather than starting straight away just because they'll be very difficult to defeat. Got you. But it does sound like over time you're able to sort of unlock abilities that will increase your morale going into a mission so you can sort of catch up to things faster. Okay. An interesting implementation. I mean, I don't really know how to feel about it until I've actually seen it in, in effect. Right off the bat, I don't like the sound of the fact that I get morale and then I go back to zero at the end of every level. Um, but as long as that's sort of, you know, addressed by upgrades and the fact that you can pump that up, I don't see any reason why I won't enjoy it. The way you've described it there makes it sound almost like a power-up, just sort of called morale. So like, you let's say you kill five mobs and you get plus five morale. That might give you slightly quicker attack speed. It might give you more power. It's just like a sort of random buff you might get for not dying obviously you know i should have stated if you die you obviously lose your morale yeah i don't know how to feel about it either honestly but it, it sounds like it could be interesting so long as when you're on zero morale you're not completely nerfed and you can't swing anything and stuff like that oh no 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 i definitely don't think it's that as you say it's purely buffs it's it's yeah. not a it's not a nerf from your usual base level of badassery i was gonna say if that's the case then i'm here for it i think that's fine Okay, man, I think that's all wrapped up for the news this week. It's time to move on to Completionist Corner. Here we go for the Completionist's Corner.
So, we return to Death Stranding as Sam, the hero of our story, heads up the ramp to investigate the sudden spike in chiral activity outside the station where he's staying. Yeah, whatever could it be. As Sam looks out, he suddenly gets swept up in a gust of wind and is lifted up into the air before the screen fades to black. The scene then opens up to a group of four soldiers marching along in muddy black trenches and then slowly out of the floor in the trenches behind them they're tied to someone who's lifted out covered in black. Uh, the person appears to be naked and is sort of pulled forwards as they march onwards. He kind of gets sucked out of the ground and then violently vomits black goo, very similar to how Sam does on repatriation when he comes back from the dead. And surrounding him is a creepy baby doll sitting in front of him. And this looks kind of very, if anyone's seen Toy Story, it, the head of it looks yes. very similar to that. This looks like a, a, a toy that's been through the ringer with Sid. Yeah, and funnily enough, that's exactly where my mind went when I saw this. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of its eyes flickering. There's sort of nails driven into its head and things yeah. like that. <laughs> All the hairs has been ripped out, so it's bald. So this is also, you know, obviously with the connection to BB, there's obviously some sort of significance between him and uh, and BB itself, as we'll go on to find out later. As the blackness drains off our mystery figure, you can actually make out that he is in fact the mystery man from our visions that we see whenever Sam connects BB to his Odradex scanner. AKA, it's Mads Mikkelsen, everyone. So at this point, I should also mention that Mads Mikkelsen's character is actually named Clive Unger in this game. So we're finally seeing this guy in the flesh, and as he stands, you also notice that he has a C-section scar on his stomach, very similar to the one Sam has, although this one is kind of glowing faintly as well. Yes. I should mention that in this scene, this all appears to be in a sort of a trench from World War One. This is all, you know, there's sort of barbed wire around the tops. You can see the sort of wooden, crudely built trenches along the way, and it's all sort of flooded looking very miserable. The scene fades to black and Sam wakes up in the dirt to the sounds of BB crying, sirens and gunfire. He runs forward and encounters a scene from a war from the past which looks, uh, as I kind of mentioned before, very much like it's World War One. Planes are flying through the air, dogfights are taking place overhead and there's vague intangible figures defending the front lines. Sam runs past the battlefield whilst recovering any items he was carrying before he got sucked into this nightmarish realm. Yeah, I must say at this stage very quickly actually that it shocked the hell out of me when I woke up with no guns and sh Oh yeah, I, it's because I've yeah. literally very carefully prepared when leaving the uh, distribution center. I was like, right, I've got my bowler gun. I've got my two ladders that I always keep on my shoulders. Like, I'm good. I'm sorted. Sweet, let's go. And I wake up and I just got nothing. I was like, fuck sake. Yeah, it kind of drops you without <laughs> anything to begin yeah. with. Although it is pretty easy, thankfully, to yeah. recover those items. Using BB and his connected Odradex scanner to navigate through the battlefield. Um, at this point, I got to mention I got chased by a tank and then I just got absolutely nailed by a plane that crashes through the battlefield. Really? This has never happened to me before. I guess nice. I was like stopping to look at the scenery too much. And I've never experienced that before. I imagine you sort of walk through this fairly unhindered. Well, it's funny you say that. I did, but there's one point where a tank literally drives across your path. And because it's a ghost looking thing, like everything's looking like ghosts and stuff. I was like, oh, f it, I'll just run through. No problem. I literally was blocked. I couldn't move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tank yeah. stopped me and I was like, what's going on? Is my game glitch? And I was like, oh, hang on. I then made the connection that these things probably aren't ghosts, they're probably BTs. That was my logic, which means they would sort of have some sort of solid mass. So, makes sense. It's an interesting one there as well, is where is this location? Yeah. I think that we can kind of speculate, or I had at this point, that this is in fact Unger's Beach because you also notice uh, in that initial scene where Unger is being pulled out of the black tar by his soldier troop who i should also mention they're kind of skull-faced aren't they they uh yeah, they have skulls yeah. for eyes yeah they're skilly looking dead yeah. people uh very horror movie kind of inspired yeah it's, it's a bit odd like kind of straight out of a zombie movie they're coming to get you barbara really cool though like i liked the whole sh slightly shining orange eyes as well give that little bit of extra sort of sinisterness if that's a word and also uh these guys before they're released by Unger, i should also mention that they appear to be connected to him by some sort of umbilical cord as well that uh, that strands them together so navigating to safety through the battlefields, you arrive in a set of trenches, and this then cuts to another cutscene where you see Clive Unger, Mads Mikkelsen, sitting in a web of barbed wire with a load of scary dolls also hanging in it, similar to the doll that was floating in front of him when he summoned. It's such kind of like a classic bad guy scene as he kind of, yeah. he's sat back relaxing in the barbed wire web, and then he kind of rises out of it, smokes yeah. a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. 
So badass though, man. Like, I really enjoyed this scene. So as he smokes his cigarette, he throws it away and then magically summons a gun in his hands. So Sam then stands up, waking after apparently having seen Unger arise from the barbed wire in a vision. Sam then proceeds to run through the trenches using his newly acquired assault rifles, grenades, shotguns, or whatever other weapons he's able to scavenge, as well as the weapons that he was able to recover before he got sucked away to this awful nightmare realm. So as you're fighting Unger, as well as his merry band of skelly boy trooper soldiers, you can actually notice that he'll be calling out to BB and asking if he can find it. He clearly wants to find BB and if anything, most of the time, when you're not fighting him, he's just muttering about that. He seems more intent on getting to BB than he is to actually kill Sam. And I must admit, that's what I actually took as his main motive with this. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems to be that way. I had no idea why we were there, and I was just, I got the impression that he didn't give a shit about Sam. And that's further reinforced, because when you actually finally defeat him after three rounds of shooting him and his troops, he suddenly kind of lunges up from the ground and tries to grab BB off of Sam, and they kind of struggle for a moment. And then during that struggle, Sam has another vision. As always, the vision is from the perspective of BB being held by Clive Unger, and this time Clive is being shouted at by an unseen voice whilst a siren echoes in the background. Sam then wakes up and asks what the hell happened to him. Mama radios in to say that basically as soon as he left and got to the top of the ramp, the chiral storm disappeared in less than a second. And it had actually only been like a minute since he'd spoken to her last. Sam at this point is obviously confused. He says that he was away on this beach for like a few hours, at least it felt like to him. Uh, and he obviously immediately wants to travel to Mama's lab as she is very sort of technologically gifted, he wants to try and figure out what happened. But what I thought was quite neat is they didn't just f*** him off and say, no, you're mad. They said, okay, that's weird. We don't quite believe you. Give us your data and we'll look at it and make sure you see if the recordings like match what you're saying and stuff like that. Shows they had trust for Sam as well, which I wasn't sure they did have at this point. I, f I felt a little bit like they might just be using him. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely interested. Yeah. They know something's up sort of thing. Yeah. As Sam arrives at Mama's lab, his Odradex starts to click and whir, indicating the presence of chiral energy around and as he looks up he can actually see a chiming dial in the roof of the building and nearby tiny black fingerprints appear on the ceiling and then sam uh via bb and his odradex scanner is then able to see the baby bt floating in the air a baby bt yeah like a little a little baby bt kind of like bb but a bt bb shortly after mama emerges and tells sam not to worry as the baby bt slowly drifts down into the mother's embrace the baby bt is connected to mama via a chiral umbilical that appears as a sort of vague strand connecting both of them similar to the umbilical that was connecting unger to his soldier troops although that one seemed to be a much more sort of a tangible thing that then yeah. melted away as he sent them off. Sam and Mama begin to discuss the chiral storm event. She then reiterates that according to her logs, once Sam arrived at the top of the ramp, the storm suddenly dropped off and that was all that happened to her knowledge. She goes ahead to check Sam's logs to verify his side of the story and can clearly hear the sounds of explosions and gunfire, which obviously of course proves that something definitely happened to Sam up there. Mama guesses that Sam was somehow warped between two different time spaces. HQ will obviously look into this more, but for now, Mama explains chiral density has been increasing more and more as more places are connecting to the chiral network. Bridges has actually acknowledged this as a risk in the past, but it didn't seem to stop them before and it doesn't seem to deter them really from their ongoing plans now. Special limiters were actually put in place in the Cupid device that Sam wears around his neck to keep the chiral density in check. Mama suggests that the one that Sam's using at the moment has a faulty limiter and she offers to give him a new Cupid that has an adjusted limiter to hopefully avoid more chiral spikes. She also doesn't really seem to provide Sam with much assurance that doing this will actually work and even if it does, she suggests that the chiral density, if it does continue to rise, could eventually trigger another Death Stranding. Yeah, and it's obviously not something you want when a lot of the people you encounter are already quite mistrusting of you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, it kind of goes back to uh, the kind of the analogy that I made in an earlier episode with a, a caveman discovering fire yeah. for the first time. There's a lot we don't understand about it, and there's a lot of potential risk and potential to do harm there as well. Exactly. Mummer explains that she actually designed the hardware for the Cupids. However, someone else made the software coding. This person 
is a person called Lochner, who was actually originally part of Bridges 1, the first expedition, seeking to begin reconnecting America. So Lochner is currently located in Mountain Knot City, which is our next destination anyway, as we continue to extend the chiral network access within America. So before we head off, Sam asks Mama just how she came about to have a BT baby. Yeah, it gets f***ing dark, man. Mama explains she was in hospital waiting for a C-section when there was an explosion made by the terrorists. It actually caused the room to collapse and Mama was trapped under the rubble. She called out for help, but no one came and she survived by drinking rainwater falling from the rubble for days. So at this point, you might wonder, hey, wait a second, doesn't rain cause you to age rapidly if it lands on you? Well, in the world of Death Stranding, this is true. However, if the water lands on another object, at the point that it does land, it then becomes harmless rainwater. It is something to do with the way that time travels in the game. There is an explanation, which we will get into later. Eventually, over time, the water ran dry and the cold started to creep in. One day, she actually gave birth within the rubble. But instead of bringing life into the world, she brought death in the form of a baby BT. Days later, she was finally rescued, and she now actually lives in the same location as the rubble of the ruins, as her BT baby is connected to the location along with herself. After us, Asking for a little bit more blood, which Sam begrudgingly provides, she asks him to leave so that she can tend to her child. Sam connects the lab to the Cupid network and makes his way to Mountain Knot to go find Lochner. Sam needs to connect three other locations along the way using his Cupid before he gets to Mountain Knot City. And as he sets out, Die Hardman explains that once he gets to Mountain Knot and has the software rewritten on his Cupid, the update will actually roll out to all the other locations that he's been to along the way. And again, this is all with the objective of trying to sort of reduce the amount of chiral spikes in the area. And quite nice that we didn't have to backtrack through the whole game. Mama also phones Sam to tell him that he now has access to a zipline that he can make via his PCC. So this is a really useful bit of kit in the game. It allows you to set up two points or more than two points across the map and enable you to travel completely unimpeded between the two of them. With lots of items as well. Absolutely. You can use these really well. You can carry a lot of stuff while you do it. It's probably one of the strongest ways of manoeuvring in the game. On his way to Mountain Knot City, Sam connects the way station and distribution centers north of Mountain Knot City. Along the way encountering and avoiding terrorists which are a lot more intent on killing Sam than stealing his packages than the mules were. These guys are kind of armed with assault rifles at this point so they're actually doing real damage to you rather than just sort of trying to incapacitate you and steal your sh**. Yeah, but they look very similar to the mules, so it's quite misleading. Yeah, they're kind of like armoured up in a very similar way. Yeah. And I should also mention that along this way, Sam actually gains access to a few new pieces of technology, uh, one of them being armour plates that you can actually stack on your suit. And this, as you would expect, it just provides you with a bit of additional resistance against bullet attacks. Sam's also given a non-lethal assault rifle, which comes in very handy, seeing as that killing people in this game is a big no-no. Uh, doing so would obviously cause a BT to be created, and should that BT come into contact with another human being, it would cause a massive explosion. But it's also really useful because the assault rifle is great, and you don't want to miss out on that. So having a non-lethal one... Yeah, this is your first sort of real proper time to explore the game with a fully fledged weapon that will actually, you know, that is capable of both stunning people as well as uh, later down the line enabling you to attack BTs with it as well by firing rubber bullets laced with Sam's blood. Oh, nice. You can actually switch up the ammunition type within the weapon menu and it will just allow you to take on both at the same time. And also, I think that the ammunition isn't shared. So if you run out of your anti-BT stuff, you've still got ammunition to nice. take out the uh, mules or the terrorists. Just before getting to the final stop, which is Mountain Knot City, Sam falls asleep in his private room. He wakes up on the beach, hearing BB out of his pod and crying, and he sees Amelie dressed in red. Sam hurriedly picks up BB and looks at Amelie to see that she's now been grabbed from behind by Higgs, the gold-masked leader of the Homo Demons terrorist group. Higgs pulls out a golden knife and begins to sink the knife slowly into Amelie's collar. As she falls slowly to the floor, Higgs takes her kipu necklace, the one that Sam gave to Amelie when he was a child, and puts it on himself before attacking Sam. Sam wakes up with a start back in his private room. Amelie is actually standing in the room this time, appearing as a chiral hologram or chiral gram. She tells Sam Higgs has arrived at Edge Knot City where she is and has killed almost everyone. The whole area is now crawling with BTs as a result and Amelie only just managed to sneak out to appear to Sam in this way through the chirogram. At this moment, Sam notices that Amelie is actually not wearing her golden kipu. Uh, this is suspicious considering the vision that he just had of her having it taken away from her. 
Amelie turns away and tells Sam she's safe for now, but this might be the last time she can appear to him. Uh, she tells Sam she'll be waiting for him on the beach before suddenly disappearing, appearing to be troubled and in a rush, so he never really gets his answer about where the keeper is. As Sam leaves his private room and connects BB to his suit, he's met with yet another vision of Clive Unger, this time holding BB, being ordered to put his gun down. At this point, Clive puts the gun to BB's pod and obviously this scares the troops enough that they lower their weapons and he begins to run away. So this kind of tells you a little bit that they're clearly valuing the BBs even back in the past. You know, whatever they were, they were clearly very special. As he runs away though, you can see that he takes a bullet to the back and then the vision cuts. And at this stage, I still have absolutely no idea where his deal is. <laughs> yeah. As Sam rises to the top of the elevator, Deadman explains Bridges weren't the first people to use BBs after the Death Stranding. It was actually, in fact, a separatist group. They actually wanted to use the BBs to drive BTs into the path of Bridges 1 on their initial expedition in order to stop them from reconnecting America. When Bridges found out the terrorists' plans, they actually decided to use the BBs to fight fire with fire. So again, this is kind of another reasoning for the reason why they decided to get into all this chiral technology and stuff like that, is it was being used against them, they didn't really know what to do, so now they just kind of need to use it. They forced their hand. Yeah. He also explains that the initial BB research was started around the time of the first Death Stranding as an attempt to get a better understanding of how it started. In their attempt to understand more, they in fact obliterated themselves in another Death Stranding. This second explosion killed the president at the time, who was then succeeded by Bridget Strand, who is the mother of Sam and Emily. Deadman tells you he'll keep digging into the files, but for now, it's time for Sam to finally head to Mountain Knot City. And that all explains probably why the information on BB 28 but bbs in general was redacted yeah absolutely there's a lot of hidden files there yeah. and sort of top secret stuff going on in the past because if it's all terrorist tech they probably don't want that getting in the wrong hands kind exactly. of makes sense so mountain not city the place where sam is heading is actually slowly being swallowed up by a tar-like sludge very similar to the tar-like sludge that we experience whenever we encounter higgs or we get swallowed up by a bt or whenever we get transported to the beach yeah, all the stuff just outside, um, was it South Knot City? Yeah, absolutely, the big tar pit. Yeah. In order to help them with this obviously quite dangerous issue, Sam needs to carry a fragile and slightly unstable antimatter bomb to the city in order to somehow use it to fix the problem. <laughs> Not too sure on the specifics of this one. I assume that they're just going to drop the antimatter bomb into the black sludge and hope for the best. Yeah, that's the impression I got. So Sam finally arrives at Mountain Knot, delivering the bomb to a woman whose face is partially covered. He actually recognises the voice, though. This woman believes that by continuing to reconnect the chiral network, bridges are actually making things worse and they're messing with things we don't understand. This person is in fact Lochner, and Mama's own twin sister. According to Lochner, Mama is actually called Malingan, although uh, for the purposes of avoiding confusion, we'll continue to call her Mama for now. Apparently, they have a special bond that makes them like one person in two bodies, and it's even said that they can communicate telepathically. Uh, or could. Or could, absolutely, before an issue that they had with each other that we'll get into later. She's not keen to join the UCA because she also thinks that we might be triggering another Death Stranding and she doesn't want to help out with continuing to build the Chiral Network. Die Hardman calls and tells us that Lochner and Mummer are both responsible for the creation of the Chiral Network in the first place. And as we said earlier, they actually fell out according to some sort of accident and they haven't spoken in a long, long time. Sam has a think about how best to repair the severed relationships in the hopes that doing so will get Lochner, along with the rest of Mountain Knot City, to join Sam and the UCA. So this is quite a long trek that you've got to do here. You've got to take a trek all the way back to Mama's lab, which is, I think, about, in total, four different stops, or at least three stops along the way, with the fourth being the final destination. Uh, and honestly, in this one, it's it's really good to establish the route that avoids all of the mules at this yes. point, because the mission coming back is a nightmare, but we'll get into that later. Yes. <laughs> which I did, but I think we probably did it in very different ways. I'm looking forward to again, getting into we'll that. Get we'll get into, get into that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Sam decides that the best way to repair this relationship is to go and speak to Mama and find out a little bit more information about Lochner. Lochner clearly isn't interested in speaking to us right now. Sam heads back to Mama's lab to speak with her, and when he arrives, she actually gives him a new pair of cufflinks, this time fitted with a gold blade laced with Sam's blood that is capable of cutting the cords that link BTs to the beach. Yeah. 
So whenever you encounter BTs in their sort of ghostly form before they've decided to descend into the ground as black handprints and come after you, you might have noticed along the way that they also have an umbilical cord that's floating around them. I did notice that, yes. If you're able to sneak around and come into contact with that cord, you'll be greeted with a prompt now that allows you to sever that cord and basically just one-shot a BT. It's super useful. Yeah, I've actually not had a chance to use this yet. I'm looking forward to doing so. So in between the time that Sam travelled to Mountainot City to go see Lock, Mama has realised it's time to move on, and she asks Sam to test his new blade by severing the connection between herself and her baby BT. Mama explains that she and Lochner both can't produce children. Mama can't produce eggs, and Lochner has an issue with her uterus that prevents her from carrying a child to term. Lochner wanted someone to carry on her genes, that was a big part of her sort of aspirations for her life, and she eventually fell in love with someone who unfortunately died in an accident. At this point, sort of seeing the hope fade from Lochner's life, and the fact that they were sort of connected in a way that they could both feel each other's emotions, Mama decided to offer to have a child on behalf of Lochner with the frozen sperm of her now deceased lover. So Mama would carry the child to term that has been born from her sister's egg and the donor sperm. Very kind of her. So the reason why Mama has never left the ruins is because she couldn't let go of the child. Despite knowing that it would sever her connection to Lochner, she still couldn't bring herself to leave the baby BT behind. And I think in, in the terms of that, it would then sever her connection and cause the baby BT to die anyway. I, that's kind of my understanding. Yeah, it's kind of, it would allow the baby to move on, but it would also probably be heartbreaking because in her mind, the baby basically saved her life. That's right, if exactly, a yeah. Crash, yeah. And she has that miscarriage, but she survives unharmed as a result of that so i think she felt i think she it came across like she owed the baby and that's why she'd been so reluctant to leave it and why she was willing to even let her connection to lochner be severed as a result that's exactly really right really hard-hitting stuff really hard-hitting stuff sam agrees with mama's request to set the baby bt free and after acknowledging that you need to cut some ties to make some new bonds sam pulls out his new cord severer and cuts the ties between mama and her baby bt good job it worked it would have been awkward if it just hadn't Worked. yeah it's still floating around but like it knows that they tried to kill it yeah oh <laughs> yeah. it's pissed at them now <laughs> yeah boss fight <laughs> <laughs> at this point mama no longer has any connection to the location and she asks sam to take her back up to her sister lochner back in mountain knot city which uh, again is is a long journey now we're now doing this this is our third <laughs> time making this path obviously the second time yeah. doing it in this direction but and I, I at this point as well you're traveling through at least two groups of terrorists as well as some potential bts areas as well so this can well, be pretty intense you don't have to travel through at least two groups of terrorists will there is a way you can avoid absolutely everything because what i did was um i i didn't necessarily find a safe route in terms of i wouldn't recommend going this route but i found the route that avoided absolutely everything and got me to my destination completely unscathed not even bts like nothing i completely unscathed obviously mountain not city as you would imagine is located amongst many many snowy mountains and if you imagine the map as sort of a banana shape slight curve right if you follow that banana you will go through these couple of groups of terrorist camps and eventually end up at mountain or city instead of going the banana route i went directly over a mountain as the bird flies literally as the crow flies yeah it was just straight up the top of the mountain beautiful view up top on this amongst the snow i got a little voice clip from sam saying like oh better keep warm up here so i was worried oh shit, is this gonna be like breath of the wild have some f***ing cold mechanic that i'm not aware of doesn't thankfully that's at least not that i could see there is a cold mechanic in the game oh, is there yeah yeah, it just yeah. doesn't f***ing do anything then at least that's good to know and um, put a lovely sign down saying nice view and then yeah just walked down the side of the mountain completely bypassing everything but it was a slog i had to go quite slowly at points to not fall over but once i found a route that was all right again it was a case of following it back it's nice isn't it that you actually get the you know that opportunity to do that though you can plan ahead and if you really want to give yourself a difficult route the game kind of rewards you by at least allowing you to avoid bts and other terrorists yeah. and things like that exactly because up up on those mountains nothing was up there that's something this game does quite well isn't it is tranquility at certain moments yeah. but certainly not in the next moment because before we set off with mama strapped to our back in yes another kind of body bag case type cocoon suit cocoon suit is very apt that's literally what it is. Higgs suddenly appears, just as we step foot outside. He's his sort of usual dicky self, says that he had a surprise waiting for you, but he wasn't expecting you to have company. He then 
insinuates that he's somehow going to change the rules of play a little bit to accommodate for the fact that there is an unexpected guest. He then plunges his golden mask into the ground and summons a giant lion-shaped BT with sort of a big black tendril mane. It's got like a golden face mask on it as well that's able to sort of move independently amongst the sort of black sludge that appears on its face. Yeah. Kind of weird and it can kind of open up and depending on how long you fight this thing you might actually discover that it can shoot laser beams out of its head yeah i, I thankfully didn't discover that <laughs> yeah it's pretty rough this is a difficult fight and you know i use the term fight very loosely it is possible to fight this thing however the game heavily insinuates that with mama strapped to your back this probably isn't the best time to go toe-to-toe with a bt and it's time to run which is exactly what i did how did you do with this did you manage to find it out pretty easy did you get away fairly unimpeded relatively i mean I, I think i got close to being sucked away or close to being like hit by the lion thing but i was just building hopping basically yes right yeah that's yeah, yeah so best way to do it well exactly i say best way to do it actually I, I pressed start and i noticed that if you just take an extremely hard left that's your quickest route out of it and if you do take an extremely hard left you literally barely bump into the thing and are able to escape within about under 10 seconds it's pretty well you're just on you're just on terra firma and you can just walk off yes absolutely yeah if you get out of that range of the bt you know as you know now once you're able to sort of get out of the area of land that's sunken in after you've been grabbed by one they sort of disappear they only have a certain area of effect yeah and they don't follow you they literally just go yes yeah and again that's all down to sort of you know bts not being able to move on from the location that they're connected to there's always like a law specific reason for it it's very kind of like Dark Souls in that sense, that the mechanics of the game were always explained away by very specific lore reasons. And again, just goes to show how incredible some of the detail is in this game. Yeah, you can tell that they sat in a room and talked about this game for hours before they like actually got down to really planning it, just to think about all sorts of different suppositions and potential yeah. scenarios and things like that. And this is weird to say about Death Stranding, but does it make sense sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, after escaping from the giant lion-like BT and on his way back up to Mountain Knot City, Mama reveals that herself and Lochner were actually born as conjoined twins. And this is apparently how they were able to telepathically communicate and have such a strong connection. She even compares it to one soul in two bodies. Sam eventually arrives at Mountain Knot City and brings Mama to Lochner, who is very happy to see her sister again, and she agrees to help fix Sam's Cupid so that he can continue to connect and expand the chiral network. However, the journey, as well as her severed ties to her BB, seem to have taken a big toll on Mama, and in completing the journey, she actually dies after having a brief, touching moment with her sister. During that touching moment, her dying wish is that Lochner is to work with Bridges and help Sam to re-establish the Chiral Network. So at this point, you actually start to sort of piece together that actually the BT baby was actually keeping Mama alive. And upon severing that connection, she began to die. What then happens in this scene is that Mama's spirit then transfers back into Lochner and they then become two spirits within a single body. And the way that this is sort of physically, visually represented in the game is by the fact that Lochner now has two different coloured eyes, uh, one brown eye, one blue eye, uh, one for each sister. Yeah. Now with both sisters reunited spiritually inside one body. Lochner explains that she really had no idea about all the things that Mama went through, and upon their connection disappearing, she actually thought that Mama had disappeared, intentionally severed their bond on purpose, and stole the child that she was supposed to be a surrogate mother for. Yeah, which is... I, I guess you can understand why she'd think that, but... Yeah, <laughs> it's a, quite a rough conclusion to come to for yeah. someone that's basically been a telepathically connect kindred yeah. spirit sort of thing. Exactly, and like, he's meant to be the closest person to you in the world. It's like, damn, Lochner. You also find out the reason why Mama never fully connected her cufflinks is because then it would show her vital signs, uh, which at that point would have been obvious that she was in fact dead. And the big reveal there is that Mama has in fact been dead the entire time she spoke to you, only being kept alive and in the physical world via her connection with her baby bt yeah which raises a lot of questions i guess it's the opposite isn't it it's the opposite of a still mother it's a still birth so they pose yeah. that that someone sat in a room and okay so we've got the still mother thing okay but what happens when someone has a, a stillborn child and then they had to make up that bit kojima was like hmm well what happens is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's how kojima just makes up all his law yeah, one one chin stroke and he just rambles. <laughs> yeah. Although Mama has passed on in the physical world, she is still able to telepathically connect with Lochner in their joined spirits in the one body. And Mama is able to live on through Lochner. So kind of a happy ending? 
sort of. Yeah, it's a pretty happy ending. Yeah, I would say yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they were always sort of said to be sort of the same person. So uh, yeah, no, they truly are. With Lochner now on side, Sam goes on to connect Mountain Knot to the chiral network. And gets his Cupid fully updated and upgraded. And that, listeners, is where we're going to finish it for this week. I hope you've had a fun time learning about the story of Mama and Lochner. I certainly did. It was very, it was, I didn't see any of it coming, as I could say for pretty much all of this game so far. But it was just really nice. It, had, it was sad, then it was happy. And yeah, it just had a bit of everything. It was nice. And it's nice to see some new BTs as well as we get sprinkled along the game. Also making me think, what other animals are going to come in future episodes, potentially? I'm going to get a big old gorilla BT? Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. Okay, James, that's about us for another week. I think it's time we wrapped up the podcast. Let's once again lay out the socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pop Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pop Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM. With all that said, James, that's us done for another week. Thanks everyone for listening so far, and we will see you next week. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye now.